You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy's here. I'm here. Aaron's here. Did you beat up any Chinese kids on the way to the show today? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Huh? I deserve that. Did you? I, I deserve it. Oh, I, I my deserve God. whatever punishment and criticism last, I get. Last night, uh, I was at Tommy Joe's for the Coach's Podcast. Right. Zabe did a show there, and then Gary Williams, Chris Knocky, Ed Tapscott, and the guys, um, uh, Jimmy Patsos, were there for the Coach's Podcast. And had a lot of people that were fans of our show and listen to the podcast when you're on. And at least three or four people came up to me and said, Oh my God, the story that Tommy told the other day about what he did after JFK was assassinated. That's terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Nobody knows it was more terrible than I did. And I said he regrets it, you know. He yeah, absolutely. And how about and how about how honest he was about it? Yeah, I know? deserve I deserve all the criticism <laughs> I get for that. Absolutely. So it's Super Bowl week, and um, one of the people who was there last night, Neil and Rockville, just started, you know, he said, remember when you and Tommy were in, in Miami? Remember when you and Tommy were in Dallas? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I thought, well, these are things we have to talk about today. Because I'm trying to think, how many Super Bowls did were we together for? Only two. Miami oh. and Dallas. Really? Yeah, because I went to Indianapolis by myself. Right. Because you didn't want to go. And Indianapolis turned out pretty good, by the way. Uh, and uh, I went to New Orleans. And then I went to New York. You went to New and York. And Arizona. Right. And then we weren't together right. for San Francisco. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at the list of Super Bowls. We went, that's right, we went to, um, we were in Miami for the Super Bowl that ended up being the Saints and the Colts. And then the following year, the Super Bowl was in Dallas. God, I, it seemed like more. No. It was I, just, I mean, we, we packed a lot in. Let's face it. You know I, what? We were doing shows together during Super Bowl week, but as you pointed out, for Indianapolis and New Orleans, you were there and I wasn't. We were still doing shows together. Yes, yeah. And then in New York, I was you you were back here and right. I was in New York. And then in Arizona, I was out there and you were back here. Yes, that's how right. that's, that's how it worked. You didn't go to Arizona? No, I didn't go to Arizona. Okay. But uh the first one, Miami, is is memorable. For a lot of reasons, but well, the return is what's yeah, memorable. Yeah, but before we get to the return, you know, early in the week, you know, we're heading out. First of all, Tommy is very much like, you know, a quarter horse. You know, he is out of the gates fast. He's a front runner. He's out of the gates fast. He is ready to party. And then all of a sudden, he's done. And sometimes being done means like at 9.30 in the evening. Oh, no, that's not true. This is not true. I mean, just as as some of us are getting ready, come on, where are we going next, Tommy's like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) Um, But Tommy was very familiar um, with many of the establishments in – you know, sort of the Dade and Broward County Yes, having areas. With, with the Orioles having spring training right. down there, I made many friends. There were a couple of establishments that we walked into early that week. I, I remember one specifically in Fort Lauderdale, um, Bunnies, I think it was called, um, <laughs> something like that. And we walked in, and whoever the hostess was, Tom, it's been so long. <laughs> and he, Tommy was recognized, and a few of the um, waitresses that also uh, doubled as dancers, uh, they came right over to the table and, and said, Tommy, where you been? Listen, Very familiar I'm, with, I'm, with those places. I'm a patron of the arts. Yes, you are a patron of yes. the arts. You are. Yes, absolutely. Look at 
I was pretty much the social director that week, and I think I did a pretty good job. You did a good job. I mean, I organized social director. I organized the field trip to the dog track. Remember? Yes. For a lot of those guys, that was the first time they it's were true. ever on a track. It's true. You and I were pretty familiar with it yes. with, with the Greyhounds. Yes, but uh, so I mean, so I organized the field trip to the yeah, dog track. You did. Uh, I organized the field trip to the to the uh, to these arts establishments. That, yes. that, 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 that we, right. uh, we that saw we a couple of very to. good shows. Yes, yes, we did. And you remember, you remember our old program director, Dennis. He took us to dinner oh. at the Hard Rock and spent a fortune, a fortune on us. Do you remember that? I don't remember it being a fortune. I just remember it was a it was a lot I of money. I just remember whatever he was involved in typically turned into a pretty big train wreck. Yeah. Well, he spent, I mean, he spent, I mean, he picked up the whole tab, spent a fortune on us for this dinner. I think we were in a private room or something like that. I thought that was in, that, that was in Vegas. In Vegas, we had, for one of the fights we were out there for, we had a massive dinner. Was that Dennis or Chuck? Chuck took us out to a huge dinner, and that was a fortune. It was the steakhouse in the MGM, which, the, one of them. The, the name escapes me right now. Yeah, but I think the promoter paid for that. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I, I know we didn't pay for no, it. No, we didn't pay for and it. And that was that was a lot of us were out there for that particular fight. I don't even remember what fight it was. I don't remember what it was either. I just remember a huge, massive tab, um, food and drink, uh, you know, drink-driven primarily. Don't you remember that night? We were there for a while. Yeah. Doc was there. Co- I, was Coach? I don't think Coach was there. Doc was there. Zabe so. was there. Andy was there. You and I were there. I forget. I, look, this 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 scenario that you've painted that I was I was uh, a quick finisher, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's based on one night when it's two thirty in the morning and we're on our second arts establishment of the evening, right? And then from there, you wanted to go to the casino. I was ready to I was ready at, to roll at two thirty in the yeah. morning. I was, now, I was done. I was done by then. <laughs> I don't think it was two thirty. It was. Oh, I remember. I, I remember. It was two thirty in the I morning. Remember. We were on our second stop. Okay, that may be true. I do remember this though. The next night, you could not rally. No, I could. You couldn't rally no, the that's next right. night. I couldn't because we're like, come on, we're going, yeah. and you're like, I'm not going out tonight. No. I mean, last night was too late. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't, you know, that that's the one thing you'll find out. It'll happen to you that, you know, you can't run with the first team anymore every night. <laughs> well, look, I'm past my first team days too, but that was 10 years ago. <laughs> um, that was a fun trip. And yeah, you mentioned the return. So that was the winter of 2009, 2010, which, which if you recall in this area, basically if you lived, you know, in the city, and north and west of the city, you ended up with nine, 80 to 90 inches of snow that uh, winter. Based, and, and there were two snowstorms back-to-back. Well, so there was the big storm in December that, that put down two right. feet. And then in February, yes. we had the back-to-back, and the first of that back-to-back was going to come during the Super Bowl yes. weekend. And I had suggested to our fearless program director at the time, Dennis, that I said, look, you know, Monday's a big day. You need a lot of shows. Post it's the, Super Bowl, it's yeah. the day after the you Super Bowl. You need to make sure you're on the air. And I said, if I switch my flight, I can leave right after the show ends and make sure that at least somebody's back in the event that you guys don't get. And he stopped me. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, the air is going to get hit with another blizzard. 
You know, they're, they're, they're calling for somewhere in the neighborhood of two feet of snow. We know what happened in December. You know, you couldn't even get people in two days after, right. you know, the storm. And I said, now we're down in Florida, and all of us were down there. Nobody was back. Every single show, every single person yeah. from every show was down there. And so I said, you know, I'll switch the flight. There's a minor cost to switching the flight. I'll leave right after the show because I think our flights were scheduled to come back Saturday morning. The yes, original were. flights were Saturday yeah. morning. And I said, you're not going to get back Saturday morning. That's true. You're not going to have a chance to get back Saturday morning. And um, and you're n- we're not going to have anybody in the air. And so he said, no. Remember, I mean, you know, and I just did it myself anyway. I remember I had to, right after the show was over, Yeah, I had to drive like Mario Andretti to get me to the to airport. To get to the airport on time for you to get your flight. So one of the, look, part of it was Flying very out selfish. Of Fort Lauderdale. Part of it was very selfish. I love massive snowstorms and I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to be back for it. And so it started that Friday afternoon, Friday night. I got onto a flight. Flights into DCA were already canceled, but I got a flight into Richmond and I, pay, I paid the difference. The company wouldn't pick up the difference in the flight, if you recall. And I'm like, I'm telling you, they're going to be sorry that that if nobody gets back there on Monday. When Radio Rose shut down and they're running national programming all day Monday after the Super Bowl. So I, the flight went into Richmond. And I'm like, all right, I'll fly into Richmond and then I'll rent a car and get home. And drive. And drive home. So landed in Richmond. I remember, I'll never forget, like Friday night. It's, you know, it's sleeting in Richmond, sleeting and raining, you know, it's far enough south. So the snows started up in DC, but it's just sleet and rain there. Get, you know, like a four wheel SUV rented, started to drive, heading up 95, everything's fine. And then right when I got to the beltway, right when I got from 95 onto 495 in Virginia, it turned to a blinding snowstorm. And Tommy, by the time I got to my exit, the River Road exit headed towards Bethesda, it, there was already already like eight, ten inches had fallen. Wow. And it was like getting up the ramp to get off the exit. I just gunned it. I barely made it home, <laughs> but I did make it home. And if you recall, that Monday, no one was back. Nobody could get back. You guys were trying to get flights out of there to get back on Monday. And I did every single show until you got back. Yes. You were the only one that got back because I, I I don't remember why you were back and Andy and Zay. Well, and I think Andy got back were. later. Later when we were on the air doing their show. Yes. Which was the... We, we were... I mean, you were on the air longer than me, but I think I was on the air for about five hours that yes. day. Yes. Yeah, you got back at a, at a reasonable time. I think, yeah. I think I basically was on, well, on from 10 to 7. Yeah. And you got back at like 1 or 2 and joined me. No one and, else and was Harris, back. Remember... He didn't want to pay for a cab to take me didn't from the airport pay. to the to the oh radio my God. station. And I remember saying, "Are you are you serious? Yes. I've been doing three hours yes. already. Tommy's back. <laughs> he needs to get into a cab. No, you know he's got to get, get get back. You know, get too his expensive." Car. Too expensive. Yeah. It was unbelievable. But you got back anyway. Yes. And then we had that call where Andy, you know, at like 6 o'clock, and we're doing Andy and Zabe's show because they're not back, and Andy arrives at BWI and calls us from the parking lot searching for his vehicle. Couldn't find it, then eventually found it, right, and found a guy to help him shovel the the vehicle out. The funny part was, while he was down in Florida, this is Andy being prepared. He bought a beach shovel. (laughs) 
to help him dig <laughs> a out a plastic yes, pink yes, beat shovel to help him dig out his <clears throat> yeah, car that was when he got back. That was brilliant. And, and and he was on the phone with us when he was searching for his car. I know, on the air. It was and then, hysterical. And then all of a sudden you hear an, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He uh, he finally got himself dug out. That was funny, and I remember you know like Zabe and Andy playing back the audio of Andy in that parking lot <laughs> looking for his car. And at this point, just keep in mind, like that was a two foot storm, and then that Wednesday of that week we had another foot. Yes, um, in the back to back storms, but. Like by Monday, it was still hard to get into DC, Baltimore, and and drive. You were dry. I remember because you drove me home uh, from the radio station. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and everything around us was like a wall of snow. Oh, yeah, it was like driving through a tunnel. Right. Except it, it was just walls of snow to get home. The brilliant vision of our of our of our <laughs> management team. Uh, they didn't. I'll never forget that. I called him up and I said, "Are you serious?" I said, you're going to pay for this cab ride back. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. I'm like, first of all, we'd have no programming if I had li- if I didn't, if I had listened to you on Friday. He was simple. He wasn't prepared, was he? <laughs> he was a little bit limited. Do you know that this is sort of inside baseball? He, you know what? He meant well. He was not from the East Coast, wasn't a D.C. guy. He was the wrong hire for the job. Now, and he was listen, a very nice guy. On the other but, hand... No, 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 no. If you're going to say what he says... No, go oh, ahead. He takes credit for putting you and me together. Really? Yes. He takes total, total credit for that. And that's that's really not true at all. The reason Tommy and I became partners on radio... I was doing a show with Doc. Doc went with Coach, and I was doing a show for six months by myself. And the Washington Times wanted to do a deal with the radio yes. station. Yes. And Tommy was a regular contributor to to Zabe and Andy's show, the sports reporters. And Tommy and I knew each other, and I loved listening to Tommy on that show. And they came to me, and they said, hey, what do you think about a partner? And I said, here are a couple of people, and I mentioned your name. And they said, well, that's interesting. The Washington Times just reached out and said they want to do a deal with the station, and part of that would be for Tommy to be a more significant, you know, regular contributor. And then you and I went and had lunch, and I'm and I just said, "This is what we should do." Do you remember that? Yeah. And I said, "This is what we should do." And then you know, and he he has many times uh-huh. sent me like a note. So glad you know you and Tommy are doing so well. I'm glad I came up with the idea to put you guys together. <laughs> And I never say anything other and, than, and hey, you know, great idea. You know what happened? What? Six months later, the Times shut down their sports section. I know. And the money dried up with the it. money dried up, and then, but, they, but, then but, the station had to pay you. Well, and, but, but the show was going well. The show was going well, so right. they decided to, you know, to pay me the full amount. Exactly. So, yeah, that's right. I yeah, heard. and that was Bruce. That was Bruce Gilbert. Yeah. Bruce, yeah. Bruce was, look, uh, Bruce, in terms of, Bruce now runs Westwood One. Um, Bruce, in terms of our fearless CEOs at that radio station, was so head and shoulders oh God, yeah. above the rest of them, <laughs> like it's not even worth comparing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to believe it's the same business. Sometimes. I know, I know. So uh, anyway, um, the following year was Dallas. Oh my God, Dallas! And that Super Bowl, that was the Packers Steelers Super Bowl, the Jerry World Super Bowl, and we got in on a Sunday, Sunday night. Went to bed, weather was fine, Yeah, and I'll never forget, like in the middle of the night, being woken up to the sound of, you know, sleep pellets hitting the the hotel, that the motel that we were staying in. Yes, the motel, because you remember, the <clears throat> next morning, 
uh, on went on the air and said, "Now I know what it's like to do time." Exactly. Yeah. Because we, we stayed and we stayed in a place where the doors open up to the street, opened up to a main highway. Yes. In fact, um, yeah. it was really. I, I never understood some of that. It's like spend an extra twenty bucks a night and put us near Radio Row, and you save on the transportation costs. And oh, by the way, if you're going to send p- your own people out, you know, for a week, if you're sending somebody out for one night, you know, let's save a lot for a week. I mean, we're, we were working. You yes. know, we're working that week. And I'll tell you that the accommodations were not very oh, good. No, it, I wasn't kidding. <laughs> no, when I said about doing time. But we woke up that next morning, I opened the door, and everything is glazed over in an inch at least of ice in Dallas, in the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth. And we're every bit of a half an hour drive from Radio Row. Yeah. And in Dallas, they did not have the ability to handle it. They They, had no removal equipment. They had 30 trucks. Total for the whole city? Yes, with dirt. Right, there was dirt everywhere no, on that. No ice. salt, no salt, no dirt. plows, no, just dirt. Yeah, and so the temperatures I remember went from you know we arrived and it's fifty degrees. We wake up the next morning, it's fifteen with a glaze of ice, and the temperature not once for that entire week we were there got above freezing. It was frozen the whole week. The whole remember, entire week. You used to have to drop me off. Of course, I because, remember because <laughs> let's. I wasn't as nimble as I am now. Oh, yeah, like you're nimble now. You know and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, I couldn't risk walking on that ice like a block or two from the parking lot to get to get to where we were doing the broadcast. So you'd always have to drop me off yeah. in front of the broadcast and go park the car. I did. I, I t- Tommy was like, "You got to bring the car up next to my motel door, which emptied right out into the street, pretty yes. much." And then I would drop you off at Radio Row and then park about a half mile from Radio oh, yeah. Row yeah. and then hoof it myself yes. to get there. But it was it was a brutal week because all of the, you know, we basically ended up, um, you know, I think we went, they, you know, the main highways, they got cleared to a certain degree by Tuesday or Wednesday. But if you had to get off of an exit and go somewhere, it was impossible Remember all week. Remember, we had to go to a, a client's party. Yeah, way up, um, way, and, and and that forty-five was, minutes away, and that was like everything nightmare was drive, a nightmare drive to get up. Didn't there. we? Didn't we also? Maybe I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Chuck. Got tickets because the Wizards were playing the Mavericks, and we all ended up going to that. Didn't well, we? Did I we didn't go to do that? that. I didn't want to do that because but. well, we went to dinner <clears throat> on Sunday night with Buck. Because the Wizards were, we went to this real nice steakhouse. Oh, with Buck Sunday yeah. night. That's why we went because yeah. Buck said, "Come over and yeah. then we'll go out to dinner or whatever." Yeah. yeah, exactly. We had a real nice dinner. It was the highlight of of of, well, of the week. Buck is an expert in local, you know, dining yes. for all of these major NBA cities. Anyway, yeah. um, but that that week was a just a really difficult week. It was it was a the, the accommodations. I remember Radio Road like they, they had it set up perfectly. Um, but you also, I remember the day, the, you know, the media day and getting, you know, remember radio row was basically in an area far from where, you know, the stadium was. If you know anything about Dallas and Fort Fort Worth, basically Jerry world is on that major, you know, interstate almost in between the two, not exactly in between the two, but, um, we were, we were downtown. We were downtown Dallas. Was that the Brooklyn Decker week? 
I think that was. I think that was the Brooklyn Decker Super Bowl. Uh, God, I'm so glad you reminded me of that. Like, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to tell the story because you tell it very inaccurately. No, that's this isn't true. I'm going to tell you the truth. Kevin's going to tell you what he'd like to voice. No, I know what happened. I was okay. there, and you're no you were in no condition to to remember what was happening at all. You were oh, so flummoxed. Okay, okay. So Brooklyn Decker, who was the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover. That February, and she, but she was in a movie. She was also and in that movie there, with she, Adam Sandler. She was and, about she was there to promote the movie. Yeah, uh, she was in that. What was that movie with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston? Um, I try to forget all Adam Sandler movies, so I don't remember. But anyway, you know, Brooklyn Decker's in that movie in a bikini for much of the uh, movie. Anyway, just go with it. Just go with it. So she's making the rounds, and that was that was a typical thing on Radio Road during Super Bowl week for the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover girl to make the rounds on Radio Row and sit down and do interviews to promote, you know, right. the magazine. So Brooklyn Decker is on. She's sort of on her way over, and we're in a break. And she was gorgeous. I mean, you see people in person that are truly beautiful, and you're like, "Oh, she's really beautiful." This one, though, she was a 15 on a scale of one to 10. Yeah, she was. She was gorgeous, and she's on her way over. And I look at Tommy, and he's he's wide eyed already, <laughs> and she sits down. And Tommy and I always had this practice with interviews. I would ask the first two questions, and he'd ask two, then I'd ask two. That's essentially how we did almost right. any interview, unless somebody got on a roll and you, you know, you'd put your hand up and say, "I got another one here." And so I asked Brooklyn Decker a couple questions. I forget what one of them actually. Marilyn, she was a North Carolina girl, was a huge Tar Heel fan, and I think during the up one of the updates, Marilyn had played Duke or was gonna play Duke, and I mentioned something about you know, and she, and she said. Oh, you hate Duke too, or something? I forget what it was, and we, she, and I got into this back and forth where it was very playful. She was flirting with me. You see, and um, Ke- this is the way Kevin. <laughs> that gives you an idea of the way of that's, Kevin's okay, view that's, of things. That's not true, but there was there was a back and forth. Yeah, there between, was a connection. There was a connection there on yes. the on the on the hating Duke thing. They bonded. So anyway, <laughs> we bonded in twenty four seconds. Twenty four. That's a week of twenty four. Um. So I asked the two questions and then Tommy's, you know, it's Tommy's turn to go and I look over at him and he's waving me off. He can't speak. He's so, he's so enamored with her beauty sitting right in front of him. Sweat is pouring off his forehead and he waves me off. And so I could just continued the questioning. And then finally, at the very end of the interview, as she's getting ready to get up and to leave, Tommy says, I, 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 I got something to say. I mean, stuttering, I mean, to the point where it was really hard to even dis- decipher what it was you were saying, but you asked some question about some director or something, and she didn't have any idea what you were talking about, and then she got up and left. That's the story. Now okay. go ahead and give now, your I'm, version. I'm going to give the truth version, okay? <laughs> okay. The one where, where Kevin and, and Brooklyn Decker don't get a room, okay? <laughs> I'm going to give the, this story, okay? <clears throat> she sits down, and she's there to promote this movie. That's why she's there. Well, Sports Illustrated thing, too. But she's there okay. to promote the movie. Yeah. And she mentions that uh, the... the uh, uh, And I remembered in the advertisements for the movie, the director was Dennis Dugan. Dennis Dugan, who played Richie Brockelman on The Rockford Files, yeah. and then eventually got yeah. his own show. Right. But I'm trying to say, okay, you know, it's a Rockford Files thing, and I'm running. What was that guy's name? What was the director's name? So I'm trying to remember the director's name from her movie, 
so I could impress her with my Richie Brockelman uh, information. But I couldn't. I just couldn't remember his name. Uh-huh. I kept drawing a blank. So that's why, I mean, I was so obsessed with that. I couldn't. I, I I didn't have a question ready. Right. You know. Okay. And, and finally, at the end, it, I said, you know, Dennis Dugan is the director. He I he, I know him from Richie Brockman on the Rockford Files, and she she was very impressed and slipped me her phone number. <laughs> but but because of the ice, we couldn't get together. <laughs> well, it's amazing because it you know usually you, you, a couple of of clicks Google and you've got the information, but. I conducted 99.7% of that interview until your little Dennis Dugan mentioned at the end as she was getting up to leave. And I'll tell you, it had you so perplexed trying to come up with that name that, man, were you sweating. You were, you had sweat pouring I, I, off your forehead. I just couldn't believe I couldn't come up with that. Uh-huh. I had something. Right. I had something to offer. Tommy used to tell me, this is something about Tom that I'll, uh, I'll never forget. Tom used to tell me that his, his girl was Carly Simon. Like Carly Simon was most of you probably don't even know who Carly Simon was. She was a singer um, in in the in big in the 1970s. You're so vain had a lot of hits. Uh, you, you remember yes. Carly Simon much more Just than I Google do. Just Google the album cover, No Secrets, and no you'll secrets know what I'm album talking cover, about. Which you know she looks like she's a smoke show from the 1970s. Yes. And Tommy always said to me, you know, if I were on a plane. And Carly Simon sat Actually, down. Actually, it was a train. Or a train. It was a if train. If I were on a train and Carly Simon sat down next to me, by the end of that train ride, she'd want to <laughs> hang out with me. She'd want to go out with me, hang out with me. And there he was with Brooklyn Decker, uh, a foot and a half away from him. He couldn't even speak. <laughs> you know what? You wouldn't have forgotten the uh, No Secrets album no, cover. Well, but, but it's funny you say this. I'm going to veer <laughs> off for a second. Okay. Because a couple years ago, Carly Simon had a book, and she did a you book went to signing, the signing you down did. down in D.C. Right, and I this is politics my chance. and prose, wasn't it? No, it was oh. it was uh, some kind of. Uh, I remember you telling this story. It wasn't Go ahead, politics and prose. Okay. Uh, and I said, this is my chance to meet Carly Simon. Uh, so I show up, and it's three hundred women, including your wife, who who recognized me, and saw me That's there. Right, yes. But why was she there? It w- I think she went with some friends well, or whatever. Whatever. It's 300 women and you. blubbering as they meet, as they wait in line to meet Carly Simon. Did you look around at any point and decide not to get out of line? No, no. I was going to stick it out. I was going to stick it out. But I wasn't going to be crying when I got in front of her like every other woman was who was there. So I'm waiting in line, and it's my turn, and I said something to her. And it wasn't even English. <laughs> it wasn't even English. Uh-huh. I have no idea what oh I said. She signed the book, handed it to me, and, you're up. and I was gone. You're and that was it. That was my moment. You know what? It needed to be on a train. It needed to be a longer opportunity because you you are an acquired taste. You know, in like short, Costanza. Costanza. <laughs> exactly. in, in short, you know, doses. <laughs> kind of hard. I know. Kind of hard. I know. Now, now, uh, you missed out on on you missed out in, two things on what? Indianapolis and and New Orleans. First oh, of all, oh, the Notre Dame football. Story. The Indianapolis thing was wild because I wasn't there for that. Chuck and Doc uh, convinced this 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 couple uh, just off the cuff. That I had played football at New Orleans at, at Notre, Notre Dame. Dame in the early seventies yeah. and blew out my knee, yeah. and that had messed up my career. Well, we're telling the story, and it turns out they're from South Bend. 
You know? I mean, and and then... <laughs> well, what are the chances? You're in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, come on. There was a chance, at least. <laughs> so, and it, it just kept going like that. They bought us drinks and stuff, and, and, and the you know, Doc is, is still perpetuating this did myth. They, did they remember your days as a player? No, they didn't remember, but but uh, they could, they bought it. They Like I said, they bought us drinks all night. And then New Orleans, there was one night that easily <laughs> could have been a 30 for 30 on ESPN. <laughs> I bet. I mean, where basically uh, Doc and Chuck had convinced these ladies in an art center we went to that I was a millionaire who uh, had started a foundation to scrub oil off dolphins, <laughs> to save dolphins. And she she was happy about that? Oh, well, actually, the, the whole group was happy <laughs> yeah. about that. But uh, that was a night the where The shenanigans I, when you're on the road. I started, uh, the show was over at 2. Uh, it was uh, at Pat, I was at Pat O'Brien's by three, mm-hmm. and dinner was at seven. So by the time I got to dinner, I was I was already done. You, you know what the best road trip story of all time was, and I will leave his name out of this for the purposes of not embarrassing him because I don't think if we when we've told this story before we've ever used his name. It was one of those Vegas trips. You know what I'm about to I think so. One of those Vegas trips, and it was after the show, and we're all sitting there, we're gambling, hanging out, uh, having a good time, and this particular person who was a part of our group, part of part of our, our station, said, I, you know, I'm not into gambling, I'm going to go, I'm going to head out, and I'll meet up with you guys for dinner. And so um, we didn't see him at dinner, we didn't see him that night. Yeah. We didn't see him the next day. We didn't see him the day after that. He was missing, if you recall. It's a hangover thing. He was missing. It was like it was the a guy total in Hangover. Hangover. Yes. Movie thing. And uh, I mean, he was basically no, he wasn't Ed Helms, um, and he wasn't Bradley Cooper. Who was the in the in, in the first Hangover? The the, uh, the part guy of the crew who was that missing. The guy who was going to get married. Yeah, I don't remember who it married. was. It was the guy from National Treasure. I don't remember right. the actor's name. Well, anyway. This particular person is missing. We're actually becoming concerned now. Now, he set off to you know head to one of those establishments where an art or, center, an art center yeah. um, where there were dancers, and you know uh, many of you have experience with this. Tommy and I really don't, but you can get roped into you know the champagne lounge and a couple of credit cards and maxing out on a couple words, of credit cards, and all of a sudden you're like. I've spent this much money, and this is all I've gotten in return? Yes. You, um, I mean, the, the world of being an art <laughs> benefactor can be a very rocky world. So he, we fly home. We've called every hospital. We've called the police department. And a particular person who also hosted a show at the station, I remember him calling me saying, where is this person? Yeah. Because this person was involved in that particular show as well. And I said... We don't know. We don't know. And then finally, he called either me or somebody and said, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm getting on a flight today. I'll be back for all the Tuesday stuff. Missed the Monday, that thing. And he basically, you know, got roped into one particular, you know, performer. And um, you know, and a few maxed out credit cards later, he was he was trying to get out of there and come all, home. All the blood was gone by then. <laughs> all the blood was the blood was gone. Drained. Yes. Drained. Oh my God, that was terrible. Uh, anyway, we so made the most go. of our time. So. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, although, t- to be honest with you, when I heard we weren't going to the Super Bowl this year, 
even though the, the the destination is one of the best. Yeah, you know Miami. Um, I, I didn't care as much. I, I mean. Because it was going to be a limited sort of crew that may have gone down anyway. And plus, doing mornings, you really don't get no, you don't. guests you know, no. in the morning shows. We were right in the wheelhouse. We, we were in the wheelhouse. Yeah, for, for getting guests. You know, do you know what's... Um, remember when Floyd Mayweather sat down with us? Yes. And I pissed him off. Do you remember that? Oh, it didn't take much to piss Floyd <laughs> off. He, and somebody... I, I looked for this a couple of years ago. It was on YouTube because somebody had been videotaping it, maybe somebody from the station at time. And I basically said, you got to fight Pacquiao. This is bullshit. You know, you've got to fight Pacquiao. And he said, I don't have to do anything. I said, the the public wants it. This is the only fight. Why are you not fighting him? You know, <laughs> and he went off. Yeah. And he got really worked up. And it was really, it was good radio. And somebody had posted that to YouTube. And I went and looked for it maybe, I think I mentioned it last year on the podcast, Super Bowl week, and I was talking about various stories from, Radio Row, and I went and looked for it, and I couldn't find it. Um, but f- I, I remember looking at that, and you could see he was not happy oh, yeah. with me. No, he wasn't. Uh, two <laughs> two last things about interviews we did. Uh, we always used to do Steve Young, and he always brought me a Van Usen tie. And he remembered yeah. that he had brought me a Van Usen tie every yeah. year. Yeah. So and, and it was always great talking to him because he's such a smart guy. And we had Deacon Jones once. Yeah. And, what I, and this time I didn't freeze. Deacon Jones was in a Odd Couple episode, and he was absolutely great. So I, I asked him about that, and he he lit up, and he loved talking about that Odd Couple episode and Jack Klugman and Tony Randall. And, I mean, he was so happy to talk about that. I just remember that in particular, that moment. I mean, we had a lot of – I mean, here's the, the – that Radio Row thing was so hit and miss because they would have a lot of – players or coaches or whatever, basically making the rounds to promote a product. And a lot of those interviews were interviews you didn't want. Like, you know, you just, um, at some, you, you were, you were much tougher on that than I was. I, Cause I really had a sense for what, you know, or at least I thought I did. I, I, I think a lot of those people, our listeners couldn't have cared less about, you know? And so, but you had to take some of those people to get a chance at the really yes, at the interview you wanted. Yeah, because the people who would be handling multiple clients right. would say, "You got to take you got such and such." Right, right. Like I, I, I'm like going blank right now on the various you know mainstays on Radio Row every single year. Um, who Did was, we do Elway? We may have done Elway. I, I'll tell you, we did Kurt Warner. We did Kurt Warner. We did. We had Kurt Warner on a couple times. Yeah. And I, I'm, I was always a big Kurt Warner right. fan. Um, Michael Haynes came through every year, and to me, he's the greatest cornerback in NFL history, and is an interesting guy. I remember how good he was. Um, I, I, I don't know. We had a lot of people. Yeah, a lot did. of people would come through. Um, by the way, tomorrow, if you want to listen, uh, 8 a.m. on the radio show, Mike Shanahan's going to be a guest previewing wow. the 49ers and the Super Bowl on Sunday. So tune in uh, for that. Um, okay, over under the amount of times they show Mike Shanahan on TV Sunday. There is a prop bet for that, right, Aaron? I believe there is. There's a prop bet for how many times Mike Shanahan gets cut away on yeah, I want to say one and a half is the number, I, if I remember well, correctly. Well, I'd go over on that. Oh, I'd go I th- over on that. Uh, I mean, if, me you count that the, one. if you count the post game, maybe if the 49ers win, the post game celebration, that, that, that would. It doesn't matter. count. It would be, oh, it would be from game. kickoff okay. to final whistle, okay. halftime I still does think not that's, count. I still think that's low. 
Yeah, I mean, during the NFC Championship game, there there had to have been at least three to four cutaways of yeah. of him, his wife, and and their grandkids there, and Kyle's wife. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Over under one and a half minus one thirty on the wow. Over. The minus one thirty you got to pay on the over. Yep. So they're true. You know, a, a lot of those prop bets, just for those of you, and we're going to do some of this on the podcast tomorrow. Aaron and I will go through a lot of them. You you're limited, you know, especially those where information can get out, like you know how long the anthem's going to be. Is Demi Lovato uh, singing the anthem? Yes. So there will be an over under on the time, and you know what basically happens. Two minutes, three seconds. Yeah, they're, they're not going to let you, you know, b- bring in a truck full of cash into a Vegas casino <laughs> and put it on that because you paid off the security guard who was watching the rehearsal yeah. with a stopwatch. <laughs> you know that's not going to happen. Those things are all controlled with limits in the minute they start getting a lot of you know high end the the limit action going to multiple casinos at the same time they may take it off the board because they think that the information's been compromised um I don't I'm not a big prop better did you ask me this yesterday or did someone yeah, else I did. yeah uh, I, I'm not a big prop better I do like the under in this game uh and I think I'll have that on the smell test not that anybody should care after the smell test this year but um uh, I, I mean, I, we'll go through the prop bets tomorrow. I just heard about the Shanahan one, yeah. uh, the cutaways to him. There. I mean, isn't the Super Bowl seen as your last chance to get right? Well, for the people that just bet football, yeah. it is. But, yeah. you know, college, I know that. college I know basketball that. Was, but, 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 for me for, has always been a big thing. Football betters, yes. that, that's, why, that's why. And it's stupid because it's it's probably the best, sharpest, line to create, you know, action both sides that you get. Like, it's it's not – look, you're, you don't have an advantage at any point, all right? But <laughs> the Super Bowl game, you really – I mean, it's not like you're taking advantage of a bad number. There really aren't anything there's – no, there's no such thing as a bad number anymore on an NFL game. But if, you, if it's come down to the Super Bowl just like during the week, if it comes down to Monday night football, you're in a heap of trouble. Right, where are you going to watch the Super Bowl? At home. So- at the boys' uh, – Except for my youngest at Penn State, every, every okay. everybody's planning on being home. Oh, that's cool. Hey, yeah. you know what? You just reminded me something. Keep your thought. Write okay. it down because you'll forget it. No, I won't forget it. So have I told you about the issue that I've been having with the big TV in my house? Not getting full-fledged HD through? You, you vaguely touched on it, but have I, I tried I, to I, I don't it. think I've mentioned it on the podcast. I am asking for somebody to give me advice on this. So, got a brand new 65-inch Sony, then a Samsung. I've gone through four TVs because I'm not getting full high definition through. I've had the cable company out multiple times. I actually tried and had DirecTV installed briefly to see if that was the problem. There's no answer. It's a mystery. It's a complete mystery. Why Different TVs? The TV that I had in that spot before I decided to get a new one, was perfect. Perfect. And you'll say, well, why did you get rid of it? I got rid of it because there was one of those white spots, which, you know, is some something in the... Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. But basically, it was the beginning of the end of the TV. It was four or five years old already. And it was the beginning of the end. And it was a 4K. It was one of the first 4K TVs. 
And I and by the way, I understand that I'm not getting 4K most of the time, except for 4K programming. I'm getting 1080p on you know most sports events. But the, the, it was clear cut, you know, beautiful high definition. And then every TV we've put in there since, every cable box, every HDMI cord, everything we've tried, nothing has brought it back. There's like there's blurriness. It's not. It's it's terrible. It's a terrible picture on the biggest TV we have in the house in our family room. And I haven't even been watching it recently. It can't. It's especially with broadcast TV and sports with lots of motion. So somebody tried to explain to me a refresh rate, and you got the wrong refresh. I've tried every refresh rate, 120, 60, those that say that it's 240 or whatever on the refresh rate, which apparently it isn't, nothing's working. So if anybody has any ideas, because the cable company doesn't have any ideas, uh, Best Buy doesn't have any ideas anymore, nobody seems to know what it was. We've changed out the electrical, we've tried it in different, you know, nothing works. So there you go. I've asked for help. Tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC if you think, if you've experienced a similar thing and you know what the answer is. I don't think that there's an obvious answer. I think the room is cursed, actually. I think somehow the spot is cursed, or because we went from... 60 to 65 in that room, and I haven't gone back and tried 60. Something with the additional size screen in that room made it, I don't know, nothing nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, let me real quick, real quickly tell you, um, when, since we were talking about gambling moments ago, uh, if you want to bet the Super Bowl, or you want to bet, in, period, I want you to consider mybookie.ag. Um, you may have a feeling right now about the Super Bowl. It may not be something you've done before or you want to do and you don't have a place to do it. My bookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl prop bets of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options mybookie.ag has unrivaled at this point. Uh, so if you go to mybookie.ag slash party, you can actually see and print out the prop sheet that they have for uh, the game itself. Um, if you deposit right now, mybookie.ag will match your deposit halfway. It's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be the last chance to take advantage of this particular promotion. Sign up now. Enter my promo code, KevinDC. All right, when you make your deposit, that's KevinDC to give your bankroll a jump start. All right, they'll match it. Uh, halfway there, uh, if you go to mybookie.ag, you want a reliable place with fast payouts, quality lines, and for the Super Bowl, lots of options on prop bets. Mybookie.ag is where you should go. All right, I wanted to play a soundbite for you real quickly. Um, what if I, you know, I, I'll tell you my story. Oh, but go I, ahead, tell your story. I forgot it. You didn't write it down. Uh, I, 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 I tell you, I, w- I was so crushed by your tale of woe. That I just forgot it, you know. I mean, you it, it seemed it, it seemed in conse- it came seemed inconsequential. It, yeah. No, I I I, I, I don't I don't why. How can I follow that? Well, because it was a very important thing yes. for most people listening. So so I I, yeah. can't, I can't top that. I, you shouldn't try. All right. What was it that you wanted? to I say? don't remember. You really don't remember? No. Are you being serious? I'm being serious. I told you to write it down. I know. And you didn't write it down. The minute you told me to write it down, I knew I wouldn't <laughs> remember. The problem is, if I had waited. I would have forgotten <laughs> if I let you go first. All right. Well, maybe you'll think about it at some point. Um, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, was asked on Tuesday about why in the 2017 draft, when they held the number two overall pick, why they didn't consider Patrick Mahomes. Here's what he said. Um, I didn't look into him, obviously, as much as I should have. Um, 
I think it was, I mean, we definitely looked into him, studied all his tape, um, was just a freak. I mean, could make any throw, um, had the ability to do anything. Um, I thought it was a little bit different situation for us. We had the second pick in the draft. Um, did not feel like from all the intel you get and stuff that he was going to go that high. Um, and it was a little different situation for us just because I think it's pretty well documented of just the relationship I had with Kirk and being in Washington and everything. And um, I felt very confident that um, he wasn't going to stay there. So anytime you go into a season knowing that a franchise quarterback is going to be available the next year, um, it made me a lot more picky with what we were looking at. Um, and you saw a bunch of talented guys in that draft. Um, but it's very tough when you watch college systems and stuff. You don't really know until you get someone in the building. I mean, you can see ability, you can see talent, um, but um, how's the mind? How do they play in the pocket? How do they process? And um, that's not just an IQ score. That, that's some stuff that I don't think you can totally test. You got to um, go through that with them. And so there is always a risk with that when um, you spend a first round pick on a quarterback. And with the situation we're in, we were in, don't want to be that risky. Uh, especially with the second pick in the draft. So um, that is hard. Obviously, he ended up being one of the best players in the league, um, along with a couple other quarterbacks that year. But um, he was extremely talented. Look, the 49ers weren't the only team to, 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 to not draft right. Mahomes or but, Deshaun Watson. But that is an interesting admission about Kirk there. Well, he's admitted that before. You I know, know. That story's come out. Mike has told me before that they were willing right. to they, – they, they, that Kirk was, gonna, was the plan. And I've been told – by multiple people that they were willing to give up number two overall yes. for Kirk Cousins, you know, before the 2017 draft. So I want to come back to that portion of it, which involves the Redskins in a moment. You did hear him say something that I've always heard Shanahan, Mike Shanahan talk about, Kyle Shanahan, a lot of these offensive guys. Like, you know, when you draft a quarterback, there's a lot you don't know. There's a lot you can't judge based off of workouts, based off of college system play, based off of, you know, IQ scores, you know, any, any of those uh, tests that they're given. And it's the thing that you heard him say there about sort of the mind and processing, and it's pre-snap and post-snap. And that's why Kirk Cousins has been so valuable to football people, why they appreciate him, is because what he may lack in some areas, he is as good as anybody pre-snap and what happens post-snap and sort of being able to identify where to go and get the ball out quickly and the whole thing. And that's what Kyle wanted in his system. Right. You know, He was dead set on Kirk Cousins becoming the quarterback there for those reasons. I mean, <clears throat> we know how fond of Kirk, Mike, and Kyle and, you know, Matt LaFleur and other people were in the organization at the time. But you really, once again, you know, you have to come back to this. What in God's name were the Redskins thinking? And why did Dan Snyder allow Bruce Allen to manage this situation? It was managed so poorly. This isn't about whether or not you like Kirk or, or love Kirk, whether or not you think Kirk's an elite quarterback or not a starter, whether or not you think he can win or not. It's about managing your roster in a smart way that doesn't have as part of the default pettiness. Part of the reason that the 49ers and Redskins didn't make a deal before that 2017 draft is Bruce and Dan, Bruce, didn't want to deal with Kyle Shanahan. They hated Kyle more than they hated Mike and they didn't want to trade Kirk to Kyle Shanahan for a first round pick number two overall you know there's so many people out there that I mean that are convinced 
that Kirk wouldn't have brought anything back more than a third-round pick. Oh, well, they're wrong. About I know they're yeah. wrong. Now, I, know they're I wrong. think there's some debate as to whether or not it would have been number two or their later first-round pick right. that year. Um, but it would have been a first-round pick. I've heard they were willing to part with number two overall. Um, but, you know, remember, they traded with the Bears one spot, and the Bears took Mitch Trubisky at yeah. number two when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were, were still on the board. And they took Solomon Thomas, and Solomon Thomas has been a good player, not their best no, defensive no, player. No, it's not, <clears> not even the close. way they thought. But, you know, this is the thing. It's like they they were, they they were they operated from, first of all, a position of having no vision, having no ability to sort of evaluate personnel and project what players at key positions would be and decide, you know, early on, are we going to pay this guy now or are we going to, you know, risk it and end up it being very costly later? And with Kirk, remember, they decided to not. They lowballed him. Kirk didn't accept it. Kirk would have accepted when Sean McVay was there after the 2015 season, a deal that, you know, somewhere in the 45 to 50 guaranteed, you know, which would have ended up th- two years later being like 15th on the, you know, contract uh, r- rankings for quarterbacks. But once you decided that, you know, he wasn't necessarily the guy and you went down that franchise path, after 2016, you had a responsibility to yes. move on from him. Absolutely. And this is where a lot of you get confused with my position. Tommy isn't, you know, Aaron, the, you know, those of you that have limited listening and comprehension. Um, uh, ability. I wanted them to sign him early. I wanted them to trade him before 2017 because it was going to be too costly and more likely than not they were going to lose him anyway because they had gotten into that franchise path. They weren't going to franchise him for a third time, which means he was going to make it to uh, uh, make it to free agency, and I knew there would be a market for him, and the Redskins weren't going to match that market. He wasn't going to play for them, so trade him before 2017. I agree. And they had a chance to. They had a chance to trade him to San Francisco and recoup a first, and instead, because they're petty, because they lack vision, I would also throw in fairly that they thought there was a chance they could win something in 2017, and they wanted him because they thought their chances of winning in 2017 were much better with him than somebody than Colt McCoy, and that maybe at the end of that year, if they had won, maybe he would have chosen to stay and sign a team-friendly deal. You know, there was a lot of that internally going on in Ashburn. They're like, yeah, we're going to pay him $24 million second franchise tag, but if we win a division and we win a playoff game, maybe he'll want to stay. Yeah. Yeah, but that was delusional, too. Yes. You got a compensatory pick for him. And then you had to trade assets, which included players and picks, to get his replacement the following year and then pay that guy, you know, who now may never play football again, Alex Smith. Um, Look, I've always said that the most, and it seems so simple, but it, it's, it's a problem for some people. The most important uh, question an owner has to face every single day of ownership is what's the best thing for the franchise? It seems so simple, but it's something that Dan Snyder was unable to answer until he had the barrel of a gun sticking him in the face at the end of this year with his franchise seemingly on the verge of collapse. And he made two decisions that were based on the best interests of the franchise. Getting rid of Bruce Allen and bringing in Ron Rivera. Yeah. But look what it took for that to happen. That should be the modus op. In other words, an owner should not base his decisions on who he likes and who he doesn't like. What's the best thing for the franchise? Every decision 
should be based on that. It's really remarkable when you think about just the number of mistakes made um, led by a guy who did have some power in the organization who for 10 years couldn't produce and kept his job. You know, Peter King, um, we played the sound yesterday. He slipped up and called him the Washington Redskins um, in an interview with J.P. Finley oh, okay. and, uh, and Brian Mitchell. But, you know, he said, you know, there are some people, and he said, me included, who like Bruce. And, you know, we've heard that from Adam Schefter, right. you know, among others, that they like him. Um, but there isn't anybody that would ever be able to explain or, or just be able to to, to fathom to justify that it. you know this guy stayed around after four years of his production let alone 10 yes 10 years and you know in recent years wasted years some real damage Kirk Cousins not trading him damage done you know a, a, an opportunity to really help the franchise the Trent Williams stuff not yes. trading him damage done like he wasn't just misstepping um, where they missed out on an opportunity. They would miss out on, on, on an opportunity and simultaneously somehow damage themselves, you know, literally and figuratively. And certainly in the eye of, of their, their customer, their, their, their fan, um, they just continually not only lost and didn't produce, but they looked dumber and dumber and meaner and meaner and pettier and pettier uh, throughout the... It's really, it's amazing. Thank God we don't have to do another year of that. Thank yes, God. Yes, it, 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 it. Because I am excited about next year's team. Well, look, if I if I was a Redskins fan, I would be very excited about the the Ron Rivera era. I mean, there's nothing that's happened so far to make you think that it you shouldn't be excited, right? I mean, so yeah, I I mean, you, I, I I I believe me, nobody more than me understands the 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 owner issue hanging over here, but there is a path. Like I've said before, there is a path where Ron Rivera can keep the owner at bay, and that's quick early success. I know you you're a big believer in that, and I think there's I think there's some truth to that. You know, if somehow they struggle next year and they're four and twelve, you know, you can think what you want about this owner that somehow he had the epiphany and he he got so desperate and he's going to take the the true step back that we've always wanted him to take and stay the hell out of it. But if you go four and twelve in that first year and there's any sort of drama, I mean, he's yeah. he, it's always it a possibility of him getting in much. and mucking it up and making it even worse. All right, let's remember <clears throat> something: Jerry Jones, uh, Snyder's you know role model. Had a Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl winning coach in Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. And fired him because he couldn't stand the fact that Jimmy was getting credit and Jerry wasn't. Right. So that comes that that came into play with Tory and Steinbrenner in baseball. Uh and uh what you what, and and so it's it's always a possibility, even if he does have success, that Snyder, being as petty a guy as he is, could turn around and say Oh, everyone's talking about Ron Rivera. What about me? Right. All right. A couple of other topics. Real quickly, though, stamps.com. Most New Year's resolutions are hard to keep. Get more exercise. Save more money. I've got a resolution that's easy to keep, especially for small businesses out there. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Use Stamps.com instead. With Stamps.com, you can do anything you do at the post office right from your computer. 
Plus, Stamps.com gives you things you can't get at the post office, like big discounts on postage. It brings all of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. It's easy to use. Simply use your computer to print U.S. official postage 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to sell it. If you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. You just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox when you're done. It's that simple. Here are the savings. Five cents off every first class stamp. 40% off priority mail. It's a no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. Over 700,000 small businesses are already using stamps.com. So give yourself a resolution you can actually keep this year. Stop going to the post office. Go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code, KevinDC, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts required. Go to stamps.com, click on the mic on the top of the homepage, type in my promo code, KevinDC, to get all of that and more. Stamps.com, promo code KevinDC. Never go to the post office again. Two um, topics that I wanted to get to before I want you to just weigh in on the Dusty Baker contract before we get out of here. The first thing is this. <clears throat> Mark Maskey um, reported this morning that you know they're moving closer and that negotiations for the NFL Players Association and the owners as uh, on a new collective bargaining bargaining agreement are progressing you know without great you know confrontation or great you know um, risk to any sort of lockout or holdout or anything in 2021. One of the big things on the table is a 17 game regular season and it looks like they're making progress towards that. They should be. You take a couple of preseason games out of the equation and you add a regular season weekend and you add potentially two more postseason games wild card weekend with an expanded playoff field and you're talking about much more money, a bigger and more lucrative television package that the players share in. It's not that hard. I don't know why there's resistance to this. Because the whole safety issue, the whole concern over you know too many games, if you're shortening the preseason, and I know the starters don't play a lot in the preseason, but let's just say they play a quarter. And let's say you cut the preseason two games short. So it's two quarters less that they play during the preseason. So now you're going to add a regular season game, so they play a total of two more quarters of football. That's really a, a significant injury or safety concern. The other thing is, I'm sure what will come with this is an additional bye week as a possibility, and expanded roster sizes. There has to be an expanded there should, roster there size. There should be. And you yeah. know what? On that note, and I, I thought about this this morning. I don't think I mentioned it this morning. This this 46 game day roster. When, when they have what? 54. 53. 53. Why? Just uh, that's ridiculous. expand it to 60 players, all right, and let all 60 dress. Yeah. Well, I don't understand. What's the point of it? I don't know. But <clears throat> they, they have to expand available players in the pool. Uh, so teams are so player well, players will always be reluctant to come off the field. So coaches aren't reluctant to take them off the field when, when they need to. This would this push it to President's Day weekend? Yes. Yeah, so um, I was doing a, a little calendar exercise okay. this morning. Um, Aaron and I we were doing that yesterday with the uh, with the schedule. We were already looking ahead to the Redskins field conditions and how that would impact the schedule. In twenty, you would have been. I mean, honestly, you would have been captivated by the conversation. I was captivated. <laughs> once. Um, 
The uh, So let's just say this past season had been a season with a 17-game schedule and two bye weeks. So that means that the regular season wouldn't have ended on December 29th. It would have ended on January 12th. Wildcard weekend would have been the weekend of the 18th, 19th. Divisional round would have been January 25th, 26th. We would be getting ready for the championship games this Sunday, the two championship games. And then the Super Bowl would be two weeks after that on President's Day weekend. Which is what they want. Which because would be then, great. Then you get the Monday holiday. Uh, we wouldn't. We don't. But right. most people get these schools and in government offices, and a lot of yes. workers get President's Day off. And it's exactly what the NFL would want, a holiday after a Sunday night, Sunday evening, Sunday night Super Bowl. And I'm going to tell you seriously, God, I don't, I don't understand why anybody with this particular product would want less of it. And if you really think it's somehow going to dilute the product, going a few weeks longer, having an extra game, I don't see that. You're not going – I think you should go to 18. Um, but this is insignificant, I think, um, in, in the safety conversation. And I think it's very significant in what the customers, what the fans of the sport will get, and what the league will make on doing this, and what the players will ultimately benefit from through increased revenues. You know, Bloomberg had this story that I, I read uh, late last night. I read a little bit of it this morning. Um, basically, I'll paraphrase it. The NFL's now had two significant back-to-back years of, of growth. After that, you know, after sort of the that period of some declining ratings and the Kaepernick stuff and the Trump stuff and the 16 election and all that stuff, two big years in a row. And you know, Tommy, they this league is projecting total revenue within seven years to be a 25 billion dollars and that the increase on this next television deal which is up 35 percent increase on the six and a half billion that they're already collecting well, the television doesn't exist anymore without without live, live sports yeah without live sports and the nfl being yeah. the king of that so i mean that that television lifeblood now is it, it's, it's not just good programming it's surviving programming for for for, for the networks uh, and there, and there'll probably be new suitors involved in the next television uh, bidding. Yep. You know, companies who, uh, it, it, where, wherever streaming is at that point, new companies in, involved. Let's just be cl- clear, though. Television ratings are still down from what they were five or six years ago. Is it five or six years yes. ago, or now we down? About to, or were they up to a point where no. now we got to go eight, nine years? No, five ago. or six years ago, okay. they're still down. I mean, they're they're they're, they're they're, they're ahead of what they were during the look, Kaepernick look, anthem. What you said era. before that is the only thing that's really truly applicable, and that is without live sports, which the NFL is king of, like exponentially greater in terms of audience yes. than anything else, um, it's still the most important live television program you can put on because people this love is, it. This is where advertisers want to be. Yeah. That's why they're willing to pay. That's why, you know, in a way, I know you don't agree with this, I think the NFL has a shrinking product that seems to grow in value. Can you ha- in the business world? Can you have a product that's not growing? Yes, but is growing in value. Well, you can if you have a product that appeals to the right demographic and okay. the right associated advertisers. But that's not what this is. This is mass appeal. The NFL is mass appeal, and. I think if you're talking about shrinking, I don't know that you're talking about a shrinking consumer audience. Because remember, television ratings, if you, as you've pointed out many times, are just part of the equation. People consume this product in so many other right. ways now. Um, 
But if you're talking about the prospect of fewer and fewer playing this sport at the youth level, the concern with concussion and all of that, hurting and hampering the product down the road, I, I don't it certainly it certainly impacts your field of of you know possible employees you know your 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 target list of employees may be shrinking but there's always going to be a demographic a, a less you know um, uh, economic um, de- demographic that will take the risk and play football because there's a lot of money. I know the, that the, the, you're not. You may run out of um, the uh, number of opportunities for supply, but you're not going to run out of supply in total. Okay. You're going to you're going to have enough people to play this sport. Let me ask you another business question. Uh, you have a very successful business where a, a chunk of the narrative is how dangerous it is. Isn't that doesn't isn't that harmful eventually? I, th- I mean, you you know from boxing it is. It I is mean, if, if, if everyone says every year that that, that this is this is te- if people are writing this is terrible, this is terrible. Uh, even though you're you know people are watching it, at some point that takes a toll. Yeah, it's just ir- ironic that uh, what what may hurt the actual game more is the the decrease of physical you know sort of football and football plays the legislation of some of the attractiveness of the sport the real physical the big hits out of the sport i think that hurts the sport too to a certain degree i, think, I mean i think you're right I um, think, but i i think but, that, I mean, that, that does not appeal to the audience just, we get into you know all of these things like eventually the nfl is just going to have to have players sign some sort of liability waiver that says i understand the risks but i'm going to play anyway for a lot of money you know, I mean, you have a lot of uh, a lot of you know that are protected in a lot of these cases. You know, very strong unions to back them. But you have a lot of um, professional and, careers and, and that your come eyes, with great risk. Your eyes should be Phys- open at this time if you're an NFL player. This right. is why I think you have some players stepping away early, because I think they're. I mean, they're, it, this is not like in the '80s, the '70s, '80s, and the '90s, where the owners were accused of hiding information right. about the long-term no, damage. they're out there. Everybody knows what the damage is now. Um, one last thing before I get to um, a couple of other things, in- including uh, s- something off of Kobe Bryant's um, death. I, um, If they go to a 17-game schedule, I-, I want them to expand the playoff uh, format by one team per conference, which is what they're talking about. So seven playoff teams each conference 14 in total from where they are now six per conference 12 total and then I want them to seed I've mentioned this many times in the past and apparently this is not you know on the table that the owners are are against this I don't know why they would be against this Um, I would seed the field one to seven so you don't have 12 and four wild card teams playing at eight and eight division winners I just think it's competitively unfair I wouldn't change the way you qualify for the playoffs for division winners. So even if you go 6 and 10 or 7 and 9, you make the playoffs if you win the division. But you're not then you're rewarded because you won the division, but you're not doubly rewarded by getting home field advantage. I just think that, you know, 12 and 4 shouldn't be playing at 8 and 8. And I just, um, I disagree. I, I think know. I think winning the division should, should 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 really be something that gets you a lot. I think it's. Sh- I think the benefit of it should be you. You qualify for the playoffs. Well, there's nobody else in your mm-hmm. division that has a better record. Uh, well, I understand that the so, divisions might not exist. Might as well not exist. No, if no. you didn't, if you didn't, uh, you know, make uh, the playoffs for winning your division. Well, I'm not advocating that. 
I'm saying win the division, you're in the playoffs. I understand that. And 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 maintaining the the, the alternative of, of four divisions per per conference. The alternative with <clears> that to be no divisions at all. Yeah, I'm not for that. Okay, I'm for seven playoff teams per conference. The four division winners automatically get in. And then the next best three records get in. So that determines the playoff field. So you're in a division, you win the division, you're in the postseason, you're in the playoffs. You get that as a reward. Even if you're a 7-9 and nine team, a sub-500 team with maybe the 10th best record in the conference, you're in if you win the division. I just want, once the seven teams are qualified, to seed them 1-7. to seven. So you're not guaranteed of playing a home field game if you win the division. you got to be one of the top... You know, four seeds okay. to play a, a I like it game. the way it is. I know so. you do. Um, the other thing is with a 17 game schedule, I'd play three division games against each division opponent. I'd have nine of my games be division games three against the Cowboys, three against the Eagles, three against the Giants each year. <laughs> I know that's a radical idea, but think about this as important as the divisions are, and I'm all for the divisions, the rivalries are super important to the sport. You play a 16-game schedule right now, and only six of the 16 are against division teams. Ten are against non-division teams. If you go to a 17-game schedule, six out of 17 are going to be division games. Eleven are going to be non-division games. That's a good point. So if you want to, to, to increase or enhance the rivalry games, go to three times a year playing the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles and play eight games against the rest of your league. And you got a better chance of filling up Ghost Town Field yeah. with visiting fans. Yeah. When when you're playing nearby division rivals. So last topic. Actually, I, I do want to hear your thoughts on Dusty. But Co- Kobe Bryant's death on Sunday, um, you know, lots of different thoughts. But one of the thoughts I had was, man, we never got to see Kobe versus LeBron. You know, it was one of those matchups everybody wanted to see in the finals. We never got the Lakers against Cleveland. We never got the Lakers against Miami. We never got the Lakers against Cleveland again um, with with Kobe Bryant. Um, we were close. In 2009, Orlando beat Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Lakers ended up playing um, uh, Orlando in the finals and beating them. That was the second title for Kobe without right. Shaq. They beat the Celtics in 2008, right? And then 2010, or what, whatever it was. Lakers beat the, the, Lakers beat the, Celtics, the Celtics, lost to the Celtics, and beat Orlando. Yeah. yeah, Celtics and then, right, exactly. Then Lakers in nine, and then Lakers beat the Celtics. Yeah. So the um, so I was thinking about those sports matchups. I did this on radio this morning and took a lot of calls. People got into it about that sports matchup, whether player versus player, you know, or team versus team that we never saw that we wanted to see. Do you want me to go first? Because yeah. I, I bet you've got a couple of boxing. Oh, I got one boxing in particular. What's I don't the have first a thing long... that jumps off your well out of your, again, off your having your covered head. the boxing during this era, Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis. One a caller called in with that. Yeah. That would have been great. I mean, they fought each other in the Olympics and, and Riddick lost. Uh they came really close a couple of times to, to fighting in, in real life. In fact, there was a fight probably lined up, uh, and then Lewis got uh, knocked out by Oliver McCall yeah. in, in one round, basically, and, and lost the titles. Uh, but that's a fight that, that should have happened. I also would have liked to have seen a couple of guys fight Tyson. Riddick fight Tyson would have been fun. Uh, George Foreman, I think, would have shocked a lot of people if he fought Mike Tyson. A 44-year-old George Foreman, I think, would have bounced Mike Tyson all over the ring. So I had a boxing one. I've always wondered about this matchup, and I remember in the 80s thinking I'd love to see this matchup. 
I wanted to see Sugar Ray Leonard fight Aaron Pryor. That's a real good one. Because Aaron Pryor, for those of you that remember boxing in the 80s, when really the middle classes dominated the sport with Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, Pepino Cuevas, Wilfred Benitez. You can go through the whole list of all the great fighters during that era. Aaron Pryor, who was really a light welterweight, so a, a weight class He had class legendary below. fights with Alexis Arguello. Two legendary fights with Arguello, where he really hurt Arguello both times in two knockouts of Arguello. If you look at Aaron Pryor's career, now he had drug issues and he had psychological issues and he had some major issues. He had one of the most awkward fighting styles, remember? It wasn't, you know, traditional. It wasn't polished. But there was something about the way he fought that made people afraid. Oh, yeah. And I, oh, absolutely. The Hawk, he was called. The Hawk. Aaron, yeah. the Aaron the Hawk prior. And if you look at his career, he didn't fight any of those guys. None no. of them wanted any part no, of they him. Didn't, nobody wanted a, a, a part of him. And that's that crazy. I know. He didn't fight any of the big names of that era. Now, I know he was a weight class below, right. but he could have moved up to the welterweight he class. Moved up. You know, or, you know, in some of in some of those cases, you know, some of those guys could have moved down, but more likely than not, Pryor could have moved up into the welterweight class and fought a Duran or fought a Hearns or fought a Leonard. Maybe he was too uh, far below somebody like Hagler. But Leonard and and Pryor would have been incredible. Yes, would have been. Who do you great. think would have won that fight? Oh, I'm I'm going with Ray. I'll, I'll go with Ray. It would have been an interesting fight. Remember, Aaron Pryor in the first Arguello fight, I think it was, was like in the, trouble the 13th round, where his trainer Panama Lewis, who basically is banned from boxing, uh, you know, uh, he was he uh, his his second in the corner gave Pryor a bottle to drink water from, and and Panama right. Lewis said, no, the other bottle. Right. You know, and supposedly this bottle was oh, it's juiced up with something. <laughs> yeah. And he came out like, Jeez, crazy. Like, like a wild man. Yeah. And basically, you know, stopped, stopped Arguello there. Uh, so he, he was a suspicious character, but you're right. That's a great one. Uh, Sugar Ray and Aaron Pryor. So here's the other one. Um, it would have been awesome to have seen in the 85 season when the Dolphins beat the Bears for their only loss on that legendary Monday night game in in December of 85 when the Bears were undefeated going for an undefeated record and all the 72 Dolphins are on the sideline and the Dolphins lit up the 85 Bear defense. Nobody scored against them pretty much the entire year. Nobody moved. And Marino and company diced and they were up 31-10 to 10 at halftime. They won 38-24. to 24. And the Dolphins played the Patriots in the AFC title game at the Orange Bowl, so we were two weeks away from the rematch. Dolphins-Bears. The Patriots with Tony Eason at quarterback. With Tony Eason, and I looked up the box score last night. He was 10 of 12, but threw three touchdowns <laughs> in 10 completions. But what they did have is they had Craig James, and they had Tony Collins, and they ran the ball, and they held it for 40 of the 60 minutes against the Dolphins in the Orange Bowl and beat the Dolphins, went to that Super Bowl, and got absolutely obliterated, 46 to 10. That matchup would have been one of the biggest and most anticipated Super Bowl matchups of all time. Marino and the Dolphins, the only team to have beaten the Bears during the regular season in a rematch in the Superdome in that particular Super Bowl. Um, that that's the one football matchup that I would have loved to have seen. I had a lot of people call in with various things. People said Pacquiao Mayweather earlier would have been better. Um, Phil Mickelson and Tiger together paired on the final day of the Masters. I know you don't care about that, but it, that never happened. Um, 
One, Aaron, that you'll remember, when Maryland won the national title in 2002, it was assumed that Maryland and Duke were headed towards a national championship showdown that year. They were really the two best teams in the country, um, and they they missed playing each other in that ACC tournament because Maryland got knocked off in the semis by NC State. Um, Duke got beat in the Sweet 16 by Indiana. Uh, Shocking upset. Because Indiana was not that good, but then Indiana went on to the finals where right. Maryland beat them oh, in the yeah. finals. And a lot of people, and I felt the same way. I remember rooting for Duke. I wanted a, I wanted Maryland to get revenge on Duke in the Final Four because it was the year before they right. lost in the Final Four. And they were set in terms of the brackets to face each other in an NCAA title game. And that would have been... That would have been pretty cool to see. Um, a couple of people said, and uh, in, in that you know, Duke and Carolina have never played each other in the NCAA tournament, never. So a lot of people would like to see that at some point. They've been very close to playing each other. They've been in the same Final Fours together a couple of times, but um, didn't end up playing each other in the finals. Yes, that's all I got though. <laughs> that's yeah. all right. Yeah. You know, other than I'd like to see Dave Martinez manage against Dusty Baker. And that's going to happen. Explain that's going to happen a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, Dusty Baker just got hired. Uh, they're having a press conference, I think, today in Houston to officially announce it. It's a one-year deal, I think, with a club option. What do you think of that for... one-year deal? Well, I, I mean, I, you Are know, they going to bring Hinch back a year from now? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to bring Hinch back. Okay. I mean, you know, I it, it, I, I think, you know, I they, they had Dusty wanted in. You know, Dusty wanted in. It was going to take pretty much any deal they offered. So that's what they did. You know, they, they I mean, and, 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 will it undermine him in the clubhouse? It may. It may undermine him in the clubhouse. Guys with long-term contracts can look at Dusty and say, well, I'm going to be here next year. You're not going to be here next year. You've got no contract be, beyond this year. But uh, he's the perfect choice for the Astros in terms of – I think most fans could care less who's managing the Astros. I think the Astros are going to be the villains of baseball throughout the year. But and, Dusty's so likable. But 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 for, for fans, I don't think it'll matter much. I think they'll still get booed. Inside the business of baseball, it will repair a lot of bad feelings. Inside the business of the game, uh, there will be a little bit less at animosity towards the Astros because Dusty is managing them. And... Uh, February 16th, I'll be going to spring training in West Palm Beach where the Nationals train in the same building with the Astros. So I'll be able to see Dusty as well as spend time with, with, with the Nationals. The first exhibition game of the year is Saturday, February 22nd, Astros and Nationals. And it was just, and it was learned yesterday that because the Astros are American League champions, Dusty Baker will manage the American League team that's in the crazy. All-Star that's, game that's crazy. against, against Dave, Dave Martinez, Martinez uh, the National League champions. So it's a lot of unique, wild stuff going on. They're also playing July 4th. That's right, here in D.C. The Astros are playing the Nationals here in D.C., Dusty versus Davey. I, I didn't think the Astros were on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. For what I thought, Aaron, we looked that up a, a couple of weeks ago for whatever reason, and that the Astros weren't on the Nats schedule in 2020. You sure about that? Well, he's du- he's double checking now. I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, July 4th is on a Saturday, and that weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Astros are in town. 
Wow. Yeah. That's th- what a great July 4th game that is. I know. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. So they just played three against Houston. Yeah. yeah. That series. Yeah. And in, interleague play. Wow. Friday, July 3rd, Saturday, July 4th, 11.05 a.m., early yeah. in the day. Uh, and then that th- th- July 4th is on a weekend, yeah. Saturday this, this summer. And then Sunday, July 5th. You know what? I still didn't get some tickets from your event that night. You didn't? No, I never got them. Well, I mean, it's not my responsibility. <laughs> you know, I gave you the information. You're just so woeful in following uh, up on I stuff. Did, I, I actually did follow up. And did with you them. hear anything? Uh, it, eventually, it took some time okay. to get a response. Well, I, maybe you need to be honestly, a little bit better well, at it. The truth is, I couldn't have cared less. I, I asked for a couple of options, and he didn't have those as options i'm and sure then, he will make it and up then to what you ended up happening year. is all that was left were the playoffs and i said well what about a playoff game and he said no for the playoffs which is fine i understand that and i said well, we'll just figure it out next year yes. and he said good yeah so i'm he, sure he, that'll happen he will make it up to you next year i'm sure uh, yes uh the nats open up the season on the road in new york oh they open up with six road games yeah and they open what? up in March. Westgate just dropped odds for opening day. Nats are underdogs in that first game. <laughs> against the Mets? <laughs> against Noah Syndergaard, probably? Or DeGrom. Or DeGrom. Uh, and then their home opener as defending World Series champions comes on Thursday night, April, uh, Thursday day, yeah. April 2nd, 105, home opener against the Mets. So there you go. Uh, God, I wish Anthony Rendon were still on the team. Yeah, I know. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Happy. Oh, I need. I want a Super Bowl pick from you. Oh, uh, I'll take the Chiefs, thirty-five thirty. All right, that'd be a hell of a game. Yes. All right. Uh, have a good weekend. You too, boss. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, enjoy the day, everybody. Back tomorrow with a lot of Super Bowl talk, a lot of Super Bowl betting talk. We'll have a lot of the prop bets. Aaron's responsibility is to come up with the best prop bets um, and uh, and pick a side, and then give me the sheet, and I'll pick this the other. I'll pick sides too. That's what we'll do tomorrow. I'm not a big prop bet guy. I'm relying on Aaron to come up with the most interesting prop bet opportunities. It sounds interesting. <laughs> not as interesting as my television, though, right? <laughs> hey, just be careful on the ride home going past any laundromats there. Uh, have a great day, everybody.